0: Assalamu alaikum. Greetings and may peace be upon you all.
2: Oh, aloha to all my family and friends in Hawaii. We love you. We send you blessings and stand strong Hawaii. We can do this. This is a global support uh, season for all of you who've ever gone to Maui. I've been there twice, been to Hawaii four times. That's like a second home. I would love to live in Hawaii. I just can't afford it. But all those natives are suffering right now. There are 2,000 children missing in in Maui. So we send love, love, love. And if you have money, send money, money, money to your favorite uh, organization. So we want to get into our joint rolling because our guest, my guest is here on time in the green room and I don't want to keep him waiting. But I know you came here for some joint rolling. So we're going to do our joint rolling and then bring our guest on. For those of you who are new to health and well-being with Beata, we do joint rolling from our head to our toe. Why? Number one, circulation. Every time you move your joints, walk, rotate, roll, you're improving your circulation. You're also improving your lymphatic system. Lymphatic uh, glands are everywhere, joints everywhere, and you're also improving your immune system. This is so important right now because uh, the uh, government that runs this country is planning another scare, damage, fear damage. And my reply is, I will not comply. Sorry, not this time around. I learned my lesson. So we want to just do what we can do to strengthen this temple, sacred temple. We will not comply to any more bullshit. I'm sorry. I'm just, you know, President Trump actually put out an advertisement. He will not comply this time. I'm like. What? What the? Pre- Trump is even saying that he knows he made a mistake. So let us not make the same mistake twice. Anyway, that's my little spill for the morning. All right, let's put it. We're gonna put on some music and start our uh, joint rolling with head rolls. Let's roll some heads this year, this month. In fact, roll. We're rolling heads and rolling joints because we are sovereign beings. We have the power to control ourselves, and we're going to get our country under control. This is the year. Enough of the bullshit. So let's do, let's first of all start out with a deep breath. Inhale through the nose, through the nose, and out through the mouth or the nose. It's your choice. Some people prefer exhaling through the nose or mouth. I prefer the nose because you, uh, you dry out your mouth sometimes if you're always exhaling. But try either way. Inhale, into nose, in the nose, inhale, and exhale. Let's just relax the body, relax the mind, and get ready to lug on this body. And let's just let our head drop and roll the head around before we start the music. Just slowly roll the neck around. Ooh, that feels so good, releasing the tension in the neck and the back. I feel my back loosening up. Let's go the other direction. Other direction. Ooh, yes, yes, yes. And let's go and just let's just roll our shoulders back. And get those shoulders loosened up. Other thing that we're doing when we roll these joints is increasing the synovial fluid in our joints. We are so wonderfully made that our Creator put fluid in the joints for us. And we just got to move it so we don't get stiff back and forth. And then we just go swimming in the sea of energy, all this energy. I'm in my tiny house, for those of you who are new. This is my 320-square-foot house that I love. I'm able to go to places like Cuba and um, uh, Costa Rica because I don't have any expenses uh, on a mortgage or any other big thing. So... All right, we're going to put some music on, Time for Healing by the Sounds of Blackness. They gave me permission to play their music. And for the next uh, six minutes, we're going to roll around on the floor or uh, kick our legs up. First and foremost, we're going to get on our back, kick our legs up, and roll our wrists and ankles first. Then we're going to roll our our lower leg to get our knees lubricated and roll our elbows around, and then we're gonna jump on our side and roll those legs around. And then I'm gonna show you some alternatives to these rolls in case you're not uh, wanting to or can't uh, roll around like I do. Uh, there is a easier way to improve your circulation, boost your immune system, and get your lymphatic draining. So let's go. let your army down there let's massage around the navel and then lastly don't forget one of the most important parts and adrenal glands with all the fight and flight and what's going on we need to remember to love on the kidneys and the adrenal glands Woo! love you love you kidney thank you kid. thank your kidneys and adrenal glands for doing all that great work for you Woo-hoo! love you love you Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ah, Congratulations. You're here. We're here together. We give thanks. We give thanks for all of you joining us in this collective unity harmony to love ourselves more and stand strong for this sacred temple. Don't let anybody put anything in this body that you don't want in there that's going to weaken you. So we're going to move now. I'm going to move now to my studio. You can see my, my ceiling. My lovely plants are growing all over the place. And we're back in the studio with my dad. That's my dad back there. My book about my dad and his football career. And so we're going to take a deep breath. And let's welcome my guest, Dr. Romeo Brooks. I'm going to bring him in here. Good morning, Dr. Brooks.
3: Good morning, Lapa. how are you?
2: I'm good. How are you? You looking good?
3: I'm amazing, thank you. You are
2: amazing. So yep. grateful to have uh, been introduced to you. It's like, how in the world does look? a person riding their bike meet someone like you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you
2: must be very friendly on the bike trail. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm a friendly
3: guy anyway, always. Wherever I am, Yeah. I grew, I grew up on the fire department, so you know I lived with guys for 32 years. You know, of all races, all sorts,
4: all personalities, everything. So it's just like a big family every day for 32 years. So I was 23 when I got on, 55 when I retired. So wow. Wow. Uh, I, I
3: still feel like a kid. I, I was sprinting in a sand yesterday
2: here in Chicago. Wow. So you're 68. We're the same age. What's, what's your birthday? May 14th. Oh, wait a minute. Let me see. May 14th. Somebody has one of my family members, I think. Well, you're a month before my grandchildren. Okay. What birth time is that? Taurus. Sure. Okay. That's what it was. All right. Well, thank you. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. I really enjoy looking at your your website because I just see so many uh, opportunities to stay young and healthy. When I when I look at what you're offering, uh, I just see opportunities. So what I really like my guest to do is tell us a little bit about your childhood, your parents, how the people who influenced you to be the great person that you are today. What was that like?
3: Oh, God. It, it was different. It was fun. I actually grew up in Watts, in Watts, California. And wow. Yeah, so I had six sisters and five brothers. Oh, my goodness. I was number 10 and 12 kids, I and mean, both my parents were there, but we were welfare fairy kids. So it was a different time. I used to walk back from 92nd Elementary School to put some tap water in a mayonnaise jar, pour some sugar and stir it up and drink it, and walk back to school. But that was kind of my daily routine because we got we got a county check, a welfare check on the first and the fifteenth of the month. And that just wasn't enough. For twelve kids and through the
2: So what was your dad doing? What was his job?
3: Actually odd jobs. He had one arm, so he just did odd jobs, different things like that. nothing really. But my first certificate I just got my new birth certificate a couple of days ago and it said rubbish man.
2: Kind of like so, you
3: know, I, I lost my passport, and so I had to get another birth certificate to go get one. And, and I just got to looking over it again, and so I saw it going it at 6.15 in the morning. And it's just, uh, you know, yeah. And so, you know, what actually changed me was, uh, you know, I got in the party department. So anyway, I went to school. I was a smart kid. That was one thing. I, I I'm around other smart kids, so I didn't get into trouble. That's when all the gang started, the Chris I remember all of that stuff. The and everything like that, but you know we kind of went to church and that kept me out of that. But yeah, uh, you know, I went through school and uh, at 23 I got into the fire department. And uh, with that, you know, it changed my life. So when I was a rookie, my father died: high blood pressure, diabetes, and emphysema. He was a smoker. A mm. few well, years later, my mother died: high blood pressure, diabetes, uh, kidney
4: failure, and lupus. She was on mm. dialysis and she died. Then after that, my oldest brother, Willie, had his leg amputated
3: from high blood pressure, diabetes, and dialysis, and then he died. And my sister, Laura, high blood pressure, diabetes, dialysis, and kidney failure, and died. Then my brother, Doug, had two strokes,
4: high blood pressure, diabetes, dialysis, and kidney failure, and died. Then my brother, Michael, who was 13 months above me, had his foot
3: amputated, high blood pressure, diabetes, dialysis, and died. And then my youngest brother, Stephen, number was 12 in the family high blood pressure, diabetes, heart disease, stroke, and kidney failure and died. But, you know, that didn't change baby. I tell You know, what got me? What got me was I took this lady to the hospital in the ambulance, and she literally had two shopping bags and a shoebox full of medication. So I took her to the hospital. Two weeks later, she got four more additional meds and was calling me to take her back to the hospital. Oh, my
4: goodness. And literally,
3: I mean, in that instant, it hit me like a ton of bricks. You know, you cannot poison the body into health. You cannot take more and more toxic drugs made in the laboratory, put it in an already toxic body, and expect it to improve. So I just said to myself, if drugs can make an already sick person healthy, then they should make a healthy person even healthier. And it's not going to happen. So I actually don't wear it today, but I have a T-shirt that says, you cannot poison the body into health. And that's why I didn't take the vaccine. But I've been saying this for years, so... When they said, are you going to take the vaccine? I'm looking at them like, "What's my mom's <laughs> for? She cannot point somebody at the
4: house. So that's it. And, and that's not to you know, eradicate drugs altogether. Because I was on the party department, you know, and there's always an emergency when we went out. So if you get your leg cut off, you know, your arm cut off, you lose a finger, and, you know, our pain management, yeah, you're going to use, uh, as far as the uh, systemic problems, the things that are going on, no. My, my argument, I wrote a book called Body Intelligence, and my argument in the book,
3: the, the nutshell of it is sickness and disease is simply the body making a request based upon its needs. And it's never asking for a threat. You know, no one has cancer because of a lack of chemotherapy or radiation or tamoxifen. You know, no one has high blood pressure because of a lack of hydrochlorothiazide or verapamil or clonidine or genolol or sinopril. You know, no one has high cholesterol because of a lack of lipid or crystal. You may get a headache, but I guarantee you it's not because of a lack of aspirin. So it's not some drug that we're lacking. It's simply the body saying, hello, listen, stop doing what you've been doing to cause me to signal you in this way. Because so really the body's trying to get you to associate your lifestyle with the symptom that is presented. But sometimes, you know, the time is so far in between, you don't... Know, associate what you're doing with the pain that you're feeling of the symptom that you're feeling. But if you think about it, it's all disease. What we call disease is a symptom. Just like hunger and thirst. How do you know if you're hungry or thirsty? Your body tells you. You just don't have to those symptoms. How do you know if you're too hot or cold? Your body tells you. What about the urge to urinate and defecate? That was the first time you associated some feeling with your body when you were potty trained. You were like, oh, it feels like this. That's number one. And it feels like this, that's number two. That was the first time you made a, You started cultivating in the relationship with your body feel what it was saying. But, you know, we don't understand what a headache is. And, you know, other than, but they're all just you know, That's it. And when you answer them correctly, I mean, it's just like you have the urge to urinate, you can ignore it. Of course you can. But it's going to get louder and louder and louder until you answer the body and relieve it. And everybody goes, thank you. It's the same thing with anything else. How simple is that?
2: And the the amazing thing uh, for me, my dad uh, taught physical education uh, in high school for almost 30 years. He was a football coach, and he taught, you know, his three girls about physical education. We were in the YMCA swimming, and every year we were in camp. And so I'm amazed, I, I'm studying the body and how it functions, so I'm amazed that like you said, you get you, you, your body says you have to go to the urinate. Your body says you need to have a BM. And I, as I, was, I think I mentioned to you, I was in the bathroom the other day, and I was thinking, it's amazing how this body is programmed. I don't have to tell it to digest my food. I don't have to tell the body to swallow, make sure my, my esophagus is working and my small intestines is doing what it does. And then all these parts are programmed from before birth to do what they do. And so what is the problem, I thought, with constipation? That's where we're going today is I, I thought about not just overeating, which a lot of us do, but it was like I went, as I'm sitting in the bathroom, I'm thinking, this mind is constipated. So what, is, what are your thoughts about constipation and what are the, some of the causes and, and, and solutions for that?
3: Well, you know, my, my book, Body Intelligence, believe it or not, actually started to call it the Constipation Proclamation. No, <laughs> so little, because constipation is the root cause of all disease. But we, we relegate it to the colon. We don't think about it on the cellular level. And so the cells are like you. I mean, and people don't understand this for the most part, but I try to tell people that your cells are like you repeated 100 trillion times.
4: You know, your cells eat, they drink, they breathe, they poop. Your cells get pissed
3: off like you do. Your cells, <laughs> your cells have that memory and imagination. That's why you look like your parents and not like my parents. But not only do you look like them on the outside, you look like them on the inside. It sounds a little esoteric, but because your cells have consciousness. Your cells think and deliberate and make decisions 24-7. But the only way they can speak to you is through signs and symptoms. And so when I talk about constipation,
4: yes, it's like we can have physical constipation. In other words, if your brain tells you to constipate, you
3: can call it Alzheimer's, memory loss, mini-stroke, major stroke, aneurysm, dementia. You know, if your eyes get constipated, nearsighted, sparsighted, conjunctivitis, glaucoma, cataract, you constipate your lungs. You on know where it is. Asthma, bronchitis, emphysema, tuberculosis, chronic inflections called disease. number one killer in the country is a heart attack. You can have a heart attack, congestive just a heart failure, pericardial tamponade, you know, constipation of kidneys,
4: nephritis, constipated bladder, cystitis, wow. constipated joints,
3: arthritis. It doesn't matter where you are. Wherever you're constipated, they're going to give it some special name, think you've got this big problem. And so the, the way I like to give people a visual, if you think of your body as 100 trillion cells that are bathing in two fluids, which are blood and lymphatic fluids, so i try to tell people the life of the cells is blood flow, lymph flow, and nerve flow. So the blood feeds the cells, the lymph core carries the weight away
4: from the cells, and the nerves, of course, move the cells. So if you think about these cells in the body, think about 100 fish in a
3: fish tank representing your 100 trillion cells. Now it's obvious that the fish are in the water, but sometimes we forget that the water is also in the fish. And that's how our cells are saturated by blood and lymph. But then we feed the fish one meal, two meals, three meals a day plus snacks. <laughs> And where does all that food go? To the bottom of the tank, and it decomposes. Well, of course, the fish are going to eat some of the food, but then they'll poop. That goes to the bottom of the tank and decomposes. Now the fish tank is poopy and stinky and murky. Some of the fish die and go to the bottom of the tank and decompose. Well, that's what happens in the body every day. We end up with undigested food, favorite food. I mean, it's called metabolic waste.
2: If you read his book, um, uh, I forget the name of it, but where he's looking in his microscope and he was noticing the cells change when he changed the environment,
4: and yeah. that's
2: where he just he came up with the okay uh, epigenetics. It's not the cells; it's yeah. the environment that the cells in. So that's what you're reminding me. Yeah, of. it's like
3: genetics. Genetics loads the gun, but your lifestyle pulls the trigger. That's what it comes down to. But I kind of set the foundation for the question you asked about constipation in your mind. Well, now that you to understand what constipation is on a cellular level, well your thoughts can constipate you. Most people don't realize it, but I explain it a little Your cells are constantly eavesdropping on your internal dialogue, your external speech. Your cells are listening to which you are thinking the same 24 seconds. So if you're saying, I'm sick, I'm this, I'm that, I'm bored, you know, I tell people, it's like, you, you can't think sickness and disease and produce health, you know, just like you can't think poverty and produce wealth. You can't think confusion and produce peace of mind. What you think is everything. Even in the Bible, just whatsoever man, you know, <laughs> as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It's like, you always act like the person you think you are. You're never other than yourself. You never act outside of your character. You if you try to act like someone else. You're acting more like yourself than ever before. So a thought, I explained in the book, that a thought goes into the body at the speed of light. You know, actually, a thought goes into your body faster than any vitamin, mineral, herb, or anything that you can consume. (laughs) Because at the time you're thinking a thought, the electrical and chemical energy of that thought is already coursing through your veins. So, yeah, so I like to use the word acid and how, you know, acid, if I threw acid in your face, we're burned. So, you know, acid is caustic, it's abrasive, it's harsh, it burns, it's, it's corrosive, it's inflammatory, inflammation. And alkaline is the opposite. It's cooling, it's soothing, it's dispersing, it's moisturizing, it puts the fire of inflammation out. But it takes four parts alkaline just to neutralize one part acid, which the percentages is 80 to 20%. So we need to eat more alkaline foods as opposed to acid foods, and we need to have more alkaline thoughts to answer your question as opposed to the acid
2: thoughts. Well, we got to take a break. Uh, we take a break every half hour uh, to hear some commercials. And um, we want to come back on that thought about acid thoughts, alkaline thoughts, the difference. Absolutely. Because um, what I'm seeing, especially in some of my friends and family, is that <clears throat> not only do they have acid thoughts, but they're holding on to things from the past. Yeah. And I I look at the the holding on to something from the past as why your bowels aren't moving.
3: Absolutely.
2: So those thoughts, you like you said, are so powerful uh, that we want to talk about that and maybe help some people get relief from the mind constipation and talk What it, because especially for you uh, having had what twelve siblings, eleven siblings. That's correct. You have obviously pointed out the types of uh, what they call comorbidities, right, that that ended your, fam- your sibling's lives faster than, you know, yours. So we want to get into that at what was the alkaline. And it just sounds like high blood pressure, diabetes, kidney, that's mostly diet, but then it's also this mind that I'm supposed to eat a certain way, like my parents taught me, blah, 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 blah. And now we're in a, a season where if you continue to eat like that, you're going to have problems in your body because the stress, about the stress alone these days is yes. going to affect your body. So we'll be right back. Um, we're, for those of you still who are joining us, we're talking with Dr. Romeo Brooks. He's given us a bunch of knowledge and wisdom about body intelligence, which is the name of his book. So we'll be right back. Stay tuned.
5: Do you worry about finances, family, health, jobs, relationships? Are you in pain? Do you feel stuck? If you answered yes to any of these questions, help is available. Don't worry, you're not alone. It's part of the human process. You only feel this way because you haven't mastered the voices in your head. No heights, just down to earth solid, workable tools and techniques that you can practice daily. It's really food for the soul, whether you want to learn how not to worry about anything, reverse type 2 diabetes, publish a book, promote your product or service, or just make extra money. To take advantage of the deal of the day, go to zeldaspeaks.com or call 312-409-6619. Mention promo code, THE FEMALE SOLUTION, and get free shipping. That's zeldaspeaks.com or 312-409-6619. Stop worrying today. Visit zeldaspeaks.com. Hi, this is John Alexander.
0: And I'm Naima Latif. Meet people like you who are making a positive difference in the world.
6: Big difference.
0: Watch us every day on The Media Connection at www.youtube.com slash The Media Connection TV.
6: it. We'll see you soon. <laughs>
0: There are people who choose to make a positive difference in the world. Our job is to bring you their stories to motivate you to do the same. Join us each week, host John Alexander and Naima Latif, as we bring you the educators, entertainers, elected officials, religious leaders, and community activists whose works are transforming this world. Find out how you can make a difference, too. Be inspired. Watch The Media Connection. Mondays at 5 p.m. and Tuesdays at 12 noon on Cable TV, Channel 19 in Chicago. And other cities, check your local cable listings.
1: Do you want to live in a world without war? Join our global peace movement. Heavenly culture, world peace, restoration of light transcends culture, religion, ideology, and be a part of the movement for world peace. Email us at ChicagoHWPL at gmail.com.
2: On my YouTube channel, The other Tiny House Village, and we're also on Facebook, uh, Soul Purpose Healing, and my personal channel. And you can call in and make a comment. We can hear your voice at 515 605 that's the Female Solution line. And if you don't want to do any of those, you just want to listen, you can go to blogtalkradio.com Forward slash the dash female dash solution. So we're here with the uh, amazing Dr. Romy o. Brooks. He uh, uh, is just uh, sharing so much with us that we need so desperately in these times. And you know, I'm a I'm a big fan of Louise Tay. Um, This book here, uh, Heal Your Body. I, I've used it on my clients. I've used it. I use it on myself all the time and what she says about constipation is refusing to release old ideas stuck in the past i'm wondering with your siblings because you pointed out so well what was contributing to their disease uh did you see the refusal to release old ideas in your siblings and do you see that in other people who are struggling with constipation absolutely yeah uh, you know, i uh... What well, I like to explain to people so they can get an idea is that your body is the expressed
4: image of the invisible mind. Your body literally is a visible barometer of what occurs mentally, emotionally and seriously. And that's why I try to explain it by saying a thought closer the body,
3: the speed of light. But because we grew up in lots at a time where, you know, you know, I, I remember the Watts right in sixty five. So we grew up at a time where there's of course racial injustice even today, but it was really fixed in and being poor and being disenfranchised and not thinking you might be able to do well or live a great life or whatever like that. And my father wasn't the best man on the planet, even though he was there in the household. But, you know, I, I would tell my wife, she, uh, if I had physical contact with my father because he was whipping me, that's the only time we touched physically, if you will.
2: But uh, you Because
3: know, he it, was what? Whipping you? Yeah, with him, was oh, the oh, yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was it. You know, yeah. I remember getting a toy from my Christmas baby when I was three years old. He threw it in his head. That's the only thing I ever remember. Oh, and, okay. uh, you know, so my older brothers and sisters, you know, I would see them getting with and I'm thinking, like, why doesn't my brother just pick him up and toss him? Because, oh. <laughs> you know, he was so strong. You know, some of my brothers, older than I was, they were just strong. They could have picked up a butt. They had been conditioned from childhood. Just to take. remember, he had one arm. So he would whip us, and, you know, I'm, I'm just being vocal and out there. Because he had one arm, we would be on our hands and knees, and he'd have our hands clenched between his knees so mm-hmm. he could keep us still. Yeah, so we got whipped whip on the back. So, I mean, I don't feel bad about it now or anything like that, because you do have to let those things go. I mean, see, even when you forget, your body remembers. That's why I said the body is expressed image of the invisible mind. You can be like, oh, I'm down, I'm over it, or whatever, but then something triggers you in the environment, and you're like, oh. That's why I say, you know, relationships exposes your flaws. When you get in relationships, that's when you get triggered, right? and then all this stuff comes up and out or whatever. But, of course, think about it. When you're upset, your body's holding on. I mean, like you said the word, right? you said stress. You know, I'll call it stress. Stress is a 21st century word. It's a euphemism for fear. You're in this whole fight or flight thing. It's, it's literally a constant state of partial contraction. All oh, this thing, you know, now I'm going to use your word, a constant state of partial constipation. It's <laughs> like you're holding on. Because you don't even realize you're holding on. I remember a friend of mine, you know, I've been on her
5: for years, and
3: one day I came up behind her, got kind of to put my hands on her shoulders. When her shoulders went down. Her shoulders were always up like this. I thought that was just the way she was. She was You remember those? those um, shirts, the blouses with the pads, the, the pads in yeah. there and the shoulders are square. <laughs> like that all the time,
4: wow. my whole life. Yeah. When we
3: we're adults, I just came behind and put my hands on the shoulders and they went down. I like, you've been holding you. on the stress all of these years and I had no
2: idea. Well, that's what my chiropractor always tells me. My muscles are really tight because, I, you know, we do tend to tense up in the shoulders, unfortunately. Yeah.
3: Absolutely, and the liver is the organ of emotion, and so we just hold on to things. The different parts of the body hold on because of where our trauma is and how we associate things, but, you know, we got to get that stuff out. You know, you were talking earlier about, like, the autonomic nervous system. And, in other words, you know, you don't think about respiration, digestion, circulation, elimination. All of these processes occur, you know, just naturally and normally, but we don't realize how much we interfere with those autonomic, that autonomic nervous system because of what we think, feel, and believe. I mean, if we if we think of thought, we feel that thought. And people think like, well, you know, I, I feel bad because of what happened. No, you feel bad because of what you think about what happened. Your emotions are a byproduct of your thinking, not of your circumstances. Because yeah, we grew up poor, but I I had the best childhood ever. <laughs> That's the way I think about it. Honestly, I was a happy kid. You know, up than that times that, you know, we got bone rushed by our dad for no reason at all. You know, it was indiscriminate, whatever you felt like it. You know, my older sister, the firstborn, she used to get a whipping every Sunday because it was Sunday. Okay, come and get it on Sunday. Oh, my yeah, God. You, know, just did, you know, the church was like, well, you know, you have to be doing something, so let me get
2: it. So, so when, when you tell me about your dad, I wonder what was his childhood like? Did, did you well, know your
4: grandparents?
3: Yeah, you know, after he died, I wanted to talk to his sisters because I wasn't close to that part of his family. So they were from Arkansas. And so for so the funeral, you know, they came out. So I got to visit his brother, and I talked to his sister, and he called his dad, Old Man Brooks. So he would line them up on the porch and pull a gun out on him and say, I'll shoot every one of you. Oh, my goodness. I was like, oh. so, you know, I always think that people do the best that they can do. You know, we don't know how we would be. If we grew up into the exact same circumstances as anyone else, we could have been worse off than them. I mean, if you can call it empathy or whatever, but it's really true. That's the bottom line. You know, I'm not trying to be religious or anything like that, for kids, or for kids and forgetting all that stuff. By and large, you may not ever forget. But you gotta understand people gone through what they've gone through and you know, we don't know why people commit suicide. Well, I can tell you, it's their internal dialogue. It's like, this is too hard, this is not good, you know. I had a friend that just, she kept ruminating about bad things or whatever. And I said, you're not your thoughts. You're not your thoughts. You're not your body. You're not your mind. You're not your emotions. You can send your, thought your thoughts your thoughts with the things, your feelings out of feel, and your body out of behave. And she was like, no, but I keep having these thoughts, I don't feel like I'm saved and this and that. And I'm like, okay. All right, said I tell you what. I want you to leave. When you leave my place today, I want you to go and get on the 405 freeway, park your car on the shoulder, and then I want you to run back and forth across the freeway and say, God, the car is going out. Oh, no. Yeah, I told her that. Literally, I said, now, that's a thought. Are you going to do it? She's like, no. I said, oh, you can reject that thought, but you can't reject this other thought. It's not you. You see what I mean? i just trying to make it clear, and we don't. We we think we're our thoughts. We think we think it's us, We thought it us. It's like we're
4: bombarded by so much information. We we have
3: to leave the sort and
2: generalize this information
3: to make sense out of it or we go crazy.
2: Yeah. So and um uh, as one of our, our listeners always reminds us we have nature deficit disorder. Uh too many of us are sitting inside watching CNN news, ready to get another jab, because they're being programmed. Instead, they need to be outside looking at birds and trees and the sky. I love to go to the beach, uh, so I try and get to the beach at least once a month. And my key, my grandkids love the beach, so it's like we're the whole family is like in the water, and that's the type of environment that can prevent suicide, in my opinion. I remember my granddaughter was at the beach one time. She was only about five years old, four or five years old. She's nine now. And she, we were, we were enjoying the way, and she looked up at me and said, "I feel so alive." And I'm like, "What? <laughs> Coming out <laughs> of this, out of this child, saying I feel right. so alive." And that's why people, in my opinion, would look at suicide as a solution because they're not feeling the life
3: of nature. No. Yeah, they're so insane they want to get away, and they think that's the only escape. Yeah, I'm at the beach
4: Well, I'm here in Chicago, and I'm like, well, it's a lake, but it looks like a beach. Yeah, it's, it's close. Yeah, that. it's close. I was springing in
3: the sand yesterday. I mean, I, I love it because it, it's hard to run in, but it's easy on the joints. And so it's part of my daily routine. I'm like six blocks away, maybe five blocks, and then I go through the park. But yeah, I go there, and I take my shoes off. I get grounded. You know, at the beach, like you were saying, you get those negative ions. They just make you feel good and make you feel alive. And you get grounded. And I walk all the way back barefooted Through the grass, through the sand, through the water, I go all the way through one end and walk through the water. Walk through the water to one end and walk back the other end with my feet in the water and then the sand and then the rocks. And I even raised my kids in an area called Lake Arrowhead in Southern California, which is a mountain community. And uh, it's a risky mountain resort community, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the Hilton's at my house up there on the lake and the CEO of Disney and all these places, but I wasn't trying to do that. I was just trying to get up to nature. And even though I was born and raised a lot, you know, people are like, what are you doing taking your kids up to this mountain? <laughs> but they loved it. You know, they went to not, they went to high school with Michelle Kwan, the Olympic Ice skater. But they loved it. They have down. They thanked me every day for, for raising them up there. They have the best flight. The high school was ranked third in the country academically. But, um, they, you know, we had all four theater. But it was a little light snow, just pretty, just to have fun and living in nature or fresh air and trees. But I still have the
2: fun. How, many,
3: how many children?
2: Party. How many children do you have?
3: Three, three children, a boy and two daughters.
2: Oh, wonderful. I mean, They're all adults.
3: All, all three English teachers. Cause oh, great because wow. what I like to do when I was poor. was read, read, read. So i took to the library every day. You know, the party part, we only work 10 days a month. So I was out 20 days a month. Wow. So oh, we go camping all the time, you know, literally six, seven, eight times a year. <laughs> we live in the outdoors. I mean, what what guy lives up in the woods and the mountains?
2: Well, as you know what? Your, your childhood, I think you can be grateful for your childhood because it shifted your thinking. And it seems like it pulled you out of doing the same thing that your parents did, your siblings did, and it renewed your mind. It sounds like to take your kids in the in nature, in the mountains, and all that, versus doing what mommy and daddy taught you to do. Oh yeah,
3: it did. It absolutely did. And and,
5: and I and I loved
3: it. I, I like I said, we always would go camping.
5: And then you
3: know I, I heard the other guy saying, buy the house, you want to retire in while you're young. And so I started looking and, and, and I got this all awesome Lake Arrow did. I actually found this 3,700 square foot house, seven levels, two kitchens for 214000 back then. <laughs> but, you know, now I've like about Airbnb, it's these 21 people. But, you know, I love it. And, and uh, the kids we still get to go and celebrate. And, you know, if we have people in and out of town, we get to go up there and dig there, which is maybe 20 minutes higher. You go snow skiing. And, I mean, in, in Southern California, you can go to the beach
2: and go snow skiing in the same day. You yes, that. yes, that's
3: true. So how far is that from L.A.? Uh, about
2: an hour and a half. Oh, okay. You get out of that smog a little bit, huh? Oh, yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. It can be rainy and cloudy in L.A., and you'll go right up through the clouds to a sunny day. So,
2: yeah, congratulations, by the way, on your new marriage, your new relationship, marriage 102 or three or whatever. Yeah,
3: right.
2: (laughs) So so the the question I have for you is how do you relate or react or respond to uh, things that your partner says or does that might trigger you or that – make you go, hmm, because I believe Mary, I, I was married for almost 40 years, and wow. it was a lesson, it was a great classroom, I call marriage yeah. 101, because I got triggered in so many ways that, and I learned how to respond in the end, but yeah. the triggering part was painful for me, as it oh, is for most of us, we get triggered and we react. Instead of, oh, let me think about why I'm reacting or responding that way. Instead of, we it's all your fault, it's all your fault. My, my ex to a told me one time, you're a control freak. And I was so offended and wounded, and uh, I went to my little corner, and I heard spirit say, you are a control freak. And I'm like, what, what, me, me? And then I had to work on that. I had to work on that. Why was I a control freak? Well, I grew up with an alcoholic mother. Uh, and yeah, didn't yeah. get a lot of nurturing from her. I don't even remember if my mother ever hugged me, but she was uh-huh. at, she cooks them great. You talk about going home for lunch? My mother would have hamburgers and french fries. Homemade fries and hamburgers for lunch. We walked uh-huh. home. So we were not poor at all. My dad had two jobs. My dad was working two jobs, and then they divorced. So all that was a, a part of the triggering in my marriage. So how are you doing in you're maybe in your past relationship, how did that work out or not? And then now that you have a new relationship, can you advise people on how to respond to yeah, like, the triggers? For
3: sure. Like I was saying earlier, relationships, and it's not just parents, but any relationship, your relationship
4: exposes your flaws because you get mirrored. And, like, you like to point
3: the finger, but it's like they're mirroring what you're saying and what you're doing, your behavior. And so I have this thing, I, I think I even said it in my book, Body Intelligence, that relationships either add to you or subtract from you. They either multiply you or divide you. Now, yeah, you can get triggered and things happen, but you have to really see what that is because everyone has blind spots. And we can mentally assent to the idea that we have blind spots, but no, we really do. And we can't see our behavior objectively. It's just like we can see someone else and be like, look at that. Isn't that a shame or that's silly or that's this or that's that. And we have a judgment and opinion about it because of our upbringing and where we think, feel, and believe. And so now you're in a relationship, and so you're going back and forth with this, and it's like, okay, you know, wait a minute. This something to I an not seat. It, it, it's the perfect laboratory to make you a better person if you can see it like that. I mean, think about it. I was on the party party for 32 years with different people of all races with different personalities. I had my ideas of how white people were. You yeah. know, I mean, it may sound funny, but it's like, you know, I didn't know white people smack like my father did. I ate watermelon. you know, I'm a kid or, you know, did all of this other stuff, my like food stuff. You know, we have all these men, but. It's like you got they became brothers. You know I mean? We have whites, black, Asians, Hispanics, you know, Vietnamese. You know, we have people that still ate dogs. You know, why are you still eating dogs? And why are you still eating chicken? It's flesh. I know it sounds weird, but it's like it, it is. Flesh It's flesh. You eat it, you eat it. We like to it, it's different. You know, we eat fat fat. we eat they, we they
2: eat. all taste like chicken.
3: Yeah, yeah, right. new deer. But the thing is relationships is like you have to see it as a God You have to see it as a, as a laboratory to make you better. And that's the thing about it. And you know what? I figured, you, and really being on purpose, having the same purpose, you know, having your why. Why are you together? Why are you working, you're doing what you're doing? And and you want, you want to have this overall picture that this person is telling you something for your good. And they could be being triggered as well while they say something. But at least you get to understand that. You get to come back to that. You get to say, you know what, yeah, I, I get that. You know, I'm, I'm going to buy into that, and I'm, I'm going to work on that. Because how else can we be changed without everyone else? No, no man is an island. I'm telling you. you I tell you, you would, never, you would never change without a village. Just like the African proverb says it takes a village to raise a child, I say that it takes a village to raise an adult because we're <laughs> It's, that's the last chapter of my book. the oh. Take the Village, and that's exactly what I say. Wow. But we got to understand, we're still growing. We're still learning. I mean, it's life is hard. That's what they live live. Live physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, in every kind of way. Take all of these parameters off. You know, be free.
2: Life is great. Uh, So your, your, your mother, the mother of your children, uh um, yes. You look back now and see how you grew in that relationship, even though you moved on? Yes, absolutely.
3: And, and, and I was young. I was 21. He was 18. That's, that's just
2: too young. Well, you know, not really. They Some
3: married well, in 14
2: and 15, but that's okay.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's another story. I wasn't trying to get married. <laughs> it's, it's a story. I had, I was two years old, I had a car, a, van, a motorcycle. Wow. You know? I worked for a people, four hours a day in high school. So, you know, I saved my money for whatever, but I was an kid, so, so he was like, Can I use your car? Who's car you drive?
4: I your own-
3: car. Why are you driving you
4: so Oh wow.
2: Talk about pressure. And how long did you stay married?
3: Fifteen years, that's
2: great. Right. Well, uh, you know, my my mother was a preacher's kid. My grandfather was a preacher. And um, it's interesting how she became an alcoholic because there was so much control in her young life. Yes. And do you find that, uh, in, your, in the case of your wife, you don't have to get too personal, but her upbringing as a preacher, a PK, they call them, preacher's kids, did right. that? How did that affect your relationship? Were you very religious uh, in the marriage?
3: Yeah, I, I actually grew up in a church. Uh, you know, my father was a preacher. I never found a priest, though because I'm never <laughs> ten or twelve kids. So i was so far removed from from his youth and doing that or whatever else.
4: But uh,
3: yeah, I mean, she was really yeah. She was under the gun. She had never been to a theater.
2: Oh wow! Can
3: you imagine? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can. She wore them dresses over her knees. I mean, you're you're, you're not even 18
4: or barely 18, you know what I mean? Yeah.
3: 14, yeah. 15, 16,
4: 17, just, just literally
3: like that. Like, you never been to a theater. Right. You, know, you never done this. You never done that. I like, I just, it was like this, I just like just out of the world. Yeah, really. just, yeah. Just being constrained,
4: and um, that was different because, you
3: know, I was an outgoing guy, and so, and, and I hung there as long as I could. And, and, and you, know, I, 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 you know, I memorized the Book of Romans. I mean, literally. I went to Bible college <laughs> after that. But, uh, yeah, I, I did. I stayed as long as I can. But I think on the fire department and just being there and, and growing and being exposed and, and just kind of being on two different paths, because I was still going to church and then she would go. And it was just a whole different thing or whatever. And it's like you want to just thrive and live and do another thing. And so, you know, you kind of go with that. But, no, you can't, you, you can't live in the world without relationships. As a matter of fact, the World Mental Health Organization says that the lack of quality relationships kills more of us than obesity and lack of exercise. Can you imagine that? Yeah. Yes, I can. Yeah,
4: yeah And it's yeah. true.
3: I mean, quality relationships, That's just not male, female, that's any relationships. Yes. Most people do not have quality relationships.
2: Well, it's like you said, we need a village uh, yes. to support us uh, emotionally. And people, I think, get depressed when they don't have quality relationships. I have a friend who's always talking about how lonely she is. I'm like, I don't get lonely because music is my number one love. If I were to even think, oh, I'm alone. Let me put on George Benson or let me put on Al Jarrell. Those are my two favorites. And they just lift me up. I, I'm not. I'm not even thinking about being alone. It's like George is here and Al's here and any other musician. Yanni was my favorite for a long time. So music is my number one love. And so when you have people in your life, oh, I'm so lonely. I, they live alone. I'm lonely, lonely, lonely. You know, we need people. Yeah, but if you don't have them, let's just make the best of you know music. See, some people did not grow up. Like, I, my dad played New Orleans jazz all the time. We would be dancing around him. He had that reel-to-reel tape player, and he right. played all his jazz. Then we were in the classical, Porgy and Bess, and Sound the Music. We had so much music in the house that that was where I connected to emotional help and stability with music. So right. people today they get if they didn't grow up with music like i did i'm understanding that they don't know where to go for relief from the loneliness or the depression absolutely
3: and and it's, it's, it's ridiculous and the thing is her saying that is reinforcing the idea that she's lonely i'm so lonely i'm so lonely i'm so lonely i'm so lonely, I'm so lonely. you're about programming we we live out of our internal dialogue we live out of it I, the way you think about a person or a situation is your treatment of that condition. And if you want that condition to change, you have to treat it differently by a change in thought. How you think about something is how you treat it. Like if you, someone you don't like, you're going to treat them as if you don't like them. You know, someone you like, you, you treat them like you like them. Like, you know, the way you treat your environment or a situation, you don't like it, you're treated like that. And people don't know if it's, it's always back to our thinking. And again, our emotions are a byproduct of our thinking. So, someone said that the feeling, talking about emotions, the feeling that cannot find its expression in tears may cause other organs to weep.
2: Wow! Ooh, yeah. that's a good
3: one. Isn't that profound? Say that again. The feeling, the feeling that cannot find its expression in tears. May cause other organs to
2: weaken. Oh my goodness! My, you know, I was married to a man for almost forty years. I only saw him cry twice, when his mother at his mother's funeral, and when our first son was born. No other time did this man cry. And today he's on probably five or six medications. Very overweight. That's the reality for in his life. Oh,
5: Couldn't oh, express
2: it, and he had a lot of pain. I know from his past and his emotions, he went to Vietnam, and just so many things that he could not express in tears. But that his oh, his yeah. organs were, are suffering right now. Oh,
3: absolutely! You got to get it out. That's, yeah, that,
2: that's
3: why we
4: cry. I yeah. cry in movies. I'm, I'm not ashamed. <laughs> that's that
2: sounds, that's Yeah, I really, can, yeah, I can still cry over even you know West Side Story they came out with a new West side story, um somebody I forget who uh what's his name? Spielberg. Yeah. It, and I my both my sons and I were crying at the end of this movie. And how many how old is West Side story? But oh, we were all you. crying in the room. It's on my we were watching it on the new one on my birthday and I looked around
4: everybody had tears. <laughs> That's a good thing.
3: You got to get that stuff out, and it's so. I mean, that's why you feel so refreshed after a cry. Absolutely, it's not magic. It's it's something that we've been given to release, and it's like, you know, we we can get emotions out through exercise and physicality or whatever. But sometimes things are so overwhelming, and if we don't express it through tears, oh yeah, the organ is going to weep. The organ is going to cry. The organ is going to be like, oh my gosh, I can't take it anymore. It's energy. It's our energy. People don't get it. You know, I used to be a kid, I would hear the beach boys talking about good vibrations. I am like, what is this vibration stuff and energy and, you know what I mean, and frequency? I was like, oh, Andy, this is all fufu. You know what I mean? And it's like, no. It's really, in-. I tell people, just think of it as energy. And so I was telling someone yesterday, I had a consultation, and I was telling them that spirits travel on words. Or in my book, I say that energy travels on words. You know, because we think that words are what big deal. You know, we can say things to people that will crush them. We can say things to people that will lift them up. And why? Because energy travels on words. You know, like Dr. Moto, remember you took that water and you put these bad words all over it and it has these gnarly crystals.
4: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's
3: good water. It's like, you know, water can't hear? Can it? Can water
4: be? yeah can, yeah can water understand but it's real and that's why i say it's easy to understand without being religious
3: you know in the church i say spiritual words but in the world i just say energy energy travels on words yes yeah, yeah. So, well,
2: well you said you had memorized the whole book of romans and i i ran with that crowd for a long time uh i was actually in a congregation where the pastor he could just uh, he could just preach on one bite, one book, and he would re- repeat the whole book without looking in the book. He was amazing. Right. But and then there was another woman. She was really good at memorizing scripture as well. And later she died of cancer. And I was talking, well, what was good with all that? And she couldn't overcome this disease. So I started looking at religion differently. As you yeah. come across people who were almost contradicting this religious Bible focus versus your body is not healthy. And then the pa- that pastor, when his son died uh, last year, I think it was last year, of supposedly COVID, he was at the funeral wearing a mask the whole time. And I was like, wow, this powerful pastor who was just healing everybody, putting hands on everybody, but the fear of seeing his own child perish yes. during the so-called COVID caused him to think he needed to
1: protect himself. Yeah. So, it it all.
3: Yes, it, it, it,
1: yes, yes. To
3: me, the bottom line goes back. To, if, if you want to summarize all religions, all
4: beliefs, all understanding, all cultures, really, it's summed
3: up in Proverbs. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I remember talking to a group of preachers. I was on a zoom call and I'm not a preacher, I'm a regular guy. <laughs> but I mean I read the Bible but so but this guy, you know, different people have to come and speak at their church in different places and so I'm speaking at the church and said, Well, can you talk to a group of pastors that I'm over? I'm like, sure. And so anyway, I'm on a zoom call and I'm telling these guys, Let's let do you wanna know what you really believe? I said, I know you believe the Bible, you believe this, and you believe that, and you preach it, and you tell your people. I said, but I'm going to tell you what you really believe, truly and honestly. I said, you guys, what I know, They're like, yeah. I said, look at what you do. It by like crickets. <laughs>
4: it
3: was crickets. Because what you do is what you really believe. You can say everything in the world, and you can mentally agree with all of that stuff. But what you do is your religion. Your body is the temple of God, and your mind is the altar at which you pray. What you think repeatedly and visually consistently and daily causes you to feel a particular way, repeatedly and visually consistently and daily, causes you to
2: behave a particular way. So what you think is how you, how you behave tells on you. Your life is a demonstration of what you really think, feel, and believe. Well, and, and I want to just bring up the, the practice of yoga. Uh, I have just had a lot of Christian friends who don't want to do yoga. They think it's demonic, and and, and so and yet I see them struggling with their health. So what right. is your what is your feeling about using uh, different practices to balance the energy in the body?
3: Well, and, absolutely. I think mean, it's simple. The only thing the only thing we have in life, the other, is our health and our relationships. That's it. And if you don't have your health, you're not gonna have your relationships. You wouldn't be on here doing the show. Oh, yeah, I do expect she can't do the show. She's just wired out. She's kicked out. She's, and it's like, I needs to people warm. She'll
4: stuff. And it's like, put it this way. They'll stand. I might be getting off for a second. But they'll stand in the prayer line for an hour and won't
3: move their body for 15 minutes. I'm like, <laughs> come on now. This, this, this is a temple. you got to take care of this thing. This is the only vehicle you have to move around on the planet. I was telling the guy yesterday, if you're in your car, trying to make a right turn and your car went left, you'd be like, whoa. If you try to go forward and went backwards, you'd you take it to the mechanic immediately. Immediately. You wouldn't think twice about it. But we'll suffer aches and pains and have this and that and then try to, I don't
2: care if you call it a medication. Call it for what it is. But who's, you know? the, who's the mechanic today? Um, we, we, in our youth, our parents believed in doctors and medicine yes and uh even dennis had to go to denis but who is the the real mechanic today
3: you came out of the earth you have to remain in the earth and partake of the earth in order to live nature is the mechanic you came out of the earth if you were to say if you were in a garden to eat. you would eat fruits, vegetables crop nuts and seeds you wouldn't cook anything now i'm not a raw foodist but i tell people to Make a drink out of my nutritional property. They drink their breakfast and eat a big, large, leafy green salad before they cook lunch and dinner meal. So I, I give them a specific way to bring live food into their cooked food diet. So say, for example, okay, say I, 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 I came to uh, New York, right? Where are you? I'm in Florida. Florida, yeah. So I came out to Florida and said, okay, we are, we're going to go to dinner. But so we're going to order two salads, one for you and me. But I want you to order your favorite entree. So we're going to have a way to serve it to us on two plates after the salad. We still get full. We'd be happy and full, and we could even <laughs> split a dessert if you wanted to. <laughs> so I tell
4: people, look, Thanksgiving is coming up. You're going to Thanksgiving, Christmas. I said, so, look, eat a big salad
3: and then enjoy Thanksgiving and Christmas
4: dinner. Yeah. You're going to eat glass. Or you want to football season, you know, preseason is up, so I
3: think the season starts on September 10th. You might go to a friend's office for the football game. You might have Bucklewings, meatballs and pizza. You do the big salad first. You're gonna eat less by going meatball and pizza,
4: which
3: is <laughs> still full. Your face buds are satisfied. I have a
4: balance and the brain associated. Yeah. So now when you take like my planning capsules, we're gonna push everything you ate that day out of your intestines. book
3: Cook meals from last week and last month. We're yeah. gonna get all that crap yeah. out.
2: Yeah. yeah. And do some leg lifts to help it along. Yeah. We
3: gotta. <laughs> I, I can literally do anything I did at 28 at six years. No, seriously. Hi, Brian. I found a comment. That's it. That's why maybe you have, by the end of September, hopefully, I'm coming out with 10 Minutes to Fitness, the age reversal program. Yeah, yeah. Yoga, yoga is stretching. Yoga is posturing. I mean, it, thinking of yoga, you know how you can do a slow move? That's, that's one of the things I learned. Like, when I do push up, I take 10 seconds to lower myself. And then I push back up, and ten seconds down again. I'll do that ten times. On no? tenth one, I'll come down halfway, and then hold it for ten seconds. You know how tough that is. I mean, I can actually slide out on one arm and go down on one arm now. I can do one leg pistol squat. You know what a pistol squat is? No. How you you stick one leg out in front of you and you lower it on one leg. Oh my. 10
2: Ten seconds down.
3: You've got to control that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I started where I could do it and just kept building up and building up and building up. Yeah, Yeah. you better take any kind of health modality. You can. It's like the whole day yoga. You get all twisted and turned. Put it this way. The most religious people on the planet are Christians. I know I shouldn't say that. But, no, you know, one of the things I have, I say that Christians are the most superstitious people on the planet. I know. I do. I see if people kind of look at me it's like, because this is what Christians will do. Christians
4: will plant an apple tree, pray for months for a peach tree, and then when they get the apple tree, they say, oh, they ain't nothing but the devil. Uh. <laughs> <laughs>
3: because our life is an example of what we've been thinking, feeling, and doing. That's yeah. all it can express. Yeah, yeah. we can go, we have having all these bad things, because God, oh, he, he, he gives and he takes away, and this and that, and we have all these things to to palliate our thinking or whatever. No, you're going to take the law of 20 and reaping. In the 21st century, it's called a it cause and effect. You can't do one cause and expect another effect. Come on. It's like, your life is an example. It's, it's literally
1: demonstrating what you've been doing. Yeah. So if you have an ailment, it's, it's like if you sow sickness and disease, you'll reap it. If you sow health, you'll,
3: you'll grow that. Read that. But if you sow it sparingly, you're going to reap it sparingly. I've been people, if you sow help in an outrageous kind of way, you'll read it in an outrageous kind of way. That's all, the that's way all to read it. How simple is that? Put so, the good stuff in, you the past stuff out, watch what happens.
2: So, like so we've got to take another break. In fact, I'm behind on the break. When we come back, I want to talk about Alzheimer's um, because that's something that uh, senior citizens, even millennials need to prevent and start early. And then uh, I'm on the third day of a fast. So I want to talk about fasting too, because I realized the first day, I was like, oh my goodness, I got to eat. You, you know, the first day of a fast is I need some food. I need some food. And right. then you get through that first day and it's like the second day, well, I can do this. I can, I'm only going to do three days because I'm thin.
5: Yeah.
2: Well, I lost like five pounds the first day. But yeah. I figure I have a lot of gut belly here and that's what some, I'm hoping that's what I lost was whatever was in this gut here. But I want to talk about that with you, um, how we need to fast. It, it's rough, but I know I know in my mind this is the most healing practice that we can do, but it's it's really hard to discipline ourselves to do it. So I want to ask you about, uh, some of the things you can do to get that going, and then Alzheimer's. I heard Vivek Ramaswamy, I don't know if you know who he is, um, he's running for president, and he developed an Alzheimer's drug that didn't work, and he was he was admitting on a video recently how most Alzheimer's drugs don't work, and I'm like, and he said, because people are criticizing him that he even made a drug, make money off of it, and then it didn't work. And he admitted, he said most Alzheimer's drugs don't work. Right. So let's talk about what does work. Because yeah. I'm so glad he admitted it. And he developed other drugs that were FDA approved, blah, blah, blah. And so uh, he's a bio, his whatever man. And that's what he did to make money. So anyway, let's go to a break. First of all, uh, our Zelda says grand rising oh wonderful wise ones enjoying the show thanks for sharing the cellular breakdown zelda is our monday morning uh, mindfulness host on the female solution thank you zelda for tuning in and we're going to take a break and we're going to be right back uh with some more wisdom and knowledge from our guest
7: dr romeo brooks
5: We'll help you achieve a breakthrough in your health today.
0: Tune in to Soulful Solutions with Dr. Debbie Green on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time and 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to hear great topics and stories on grief and turn it into victory. Join Dr. Debbie Green to listen to stories of triumph and learn how to overcome. You are not alone in your life, and there is hope in the darkest hour. This is your time to learn strategies and solutions to improve your life. It's your time. So join Dr. Debbie Green with Soulful Solutions and call in on Thursday at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time and 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at 515 605 605 9325 with comments and questions.
6: Look to hear from you real soon.
0: Have you ever dreamed of going to exotic places, meeting fascinating people, enjoying uplifting music, and spending nights in a luxurious hotel? Do you look forward to a relaxing vacation where you can walk along the beach or sit in a quiet park and enjoy the sunset or sunrise? Whether you're flying around the world or driving across the country, we will share travel tips that will help you stay safe while you enjoy the journey. Join me every third Saturday of the month, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, And move around with Deborah here on the Female Solutions Show. Call in and comment 515-605-9325 and press 1 to speak.
2: So we are back with the wonderful Dr. Romeo Brooks, energetic Dr. Romeo Brooks. You are so full of energy, and I love your smile. So uh, we want to get into a little bit of um, fasting and Alzheimer's. Those are the two subjects that I've made note of we should talk about. But uh, you know what I was thinking about? Yeshua, uh, the Messiah, said in the scriptures, when you fast, this is what you do. This is how you your attitude. But why is it we don't, especially Christians, do not practice that? And and what what do you think are some of the things we can do to overcome that? I know for me, I'm already thin, and so I've always resisted fast because I didn't want to lose any more weight. I've had all my life people joked about my skinny legs. My you're so skinny. My husband told me you're just skinny. When I tried to fast, my husband, I oh, am losing too much weight. I felt great, but I had this outside criticism that was saying you look bad So, and yet I felt great so right now I'm on the third day I'm feeling more energized I haven't had any food for two the last two days I'm feeling like I want to go a little further but I don't want to lose a lot of weight but then I can, you you know, this is the struggle we go through and the Christians, that's the thing for me they don't even think about fasting too much at all unless you're in a congregation going to do a Daniel fast this month and you have the support or the village Otherwise, don't talk about, because here's the thing, and we know we are addicted to not food, but chemicals. Because most of the crap people, even though it's just chemical, when you read the label, the ingredients like, this ain't food, this is chemicals. How do we overcome that, Dr. Romeo? Yeah, well, let me first say that fasting is the fastest
3: way to deduct the virus. Absolutely. And I, and I have a chapter in my book called overcoming the fear of fasting
2: oh i love that i love that
3: oh yeah everything is but it really is so so, so what is fasting okay fasting you know know, you're not eating and then just a lot of people do like a water fast and then some people do what they call a juice fast really it's like a juice diet because it's the easy way you want to you want to still feed yourself while you get to detoxify the body well let's just say that
2: well i'm on the master cleanse are you familiar with that Oh, I've done it for 17 days. Yeah, that's a lot. I I
3: tried Jumping to I do ran. it for a, I did it for
2: a week. Felt great, but again, ah, you're so skinny. <laughs> no,
3: I lost weight too, but I did it for 17 days. Wow. I, I, I ran 14 miles. Oh, I couldn't get tired. I know. So literally, I couldn't get tired. Yeah. My legs couldn't get tired. My lungs were tired. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> No, really, my intention was to run a mile and come back. I just want to see how I felt. But my blood vessel, you know, the body's a pipe system, a bunch of pipes and tubes, and one-way check valves and reservoirs and filters and sacks. But this pipe system is alive. It's dynamic. It's animated. This pipe system thinks and deliberates and makes decisions. And so with fasting, the, remember I was saying earlier how you're like yourself, repeated at understating times? Well, we have to get this waste out of the body. We have to get it out of the cells. Because, you know, like I was talking to a guy yesterday with a, he has a tumor on his transverse coat. I said, where do tumors come from? Whether it's a tumor, an abscess, a boil, a cyst, a nodule, it's because we ingest and create more waste in the body faster than we can eliminate it. So the body has to encapsulate or entune the waste. And that's when we get a tumor. Tumors don't come out of thin air. Why do we think it's magic? The way it got there is the way it can be gone. It's, it, it's digested or autolyphized. Self-digestion.
4: So here's the premise. Digestion takes more energy than any other physiological process. Right, right. That's why,
3: that's why we get the itis at Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, Christmas <laughs> dinner. Christmas dinner, we pass out and wake up and say, who won the game?
4: <laughs> <You know.
3: laughs> We think of the opposite of that because we eat all the time. We eat when we gets married. We eat at funerals. We eat on the day. We eat to celebrate. We eat at reunions. We How eat
2: about a, as children, a birthday every month? Let's go to a birthday party. Ice cream and cake. Ice cream and cake. Oh, yeah.
3: We <laughs> eat when, when our team wins. We eat when they lose. We eat when we're sad. We eat when we're happy. We eat for everything. And so we literally we concentrate the body on the cellular level. So yes. when you sign us, i the body, it's so fast, think about it like this. Every one of us, I'm sure, has gotten really busy during the day. So we skip the breakfast and we skip lunch because we're really busy, and then we got that hungry headache. Why do you get a hungry headache? Because you, you didn't eat breakfast or lunch, your body would normally be using the digestive energy to break food down. Well, because you didn't eat anything, that digestive energy is redirected to increase elimination. So it steps up elimination. So your body starts dumping its toxins and waste out of your organs and tissues into your bloodstream so it can be evacuated from the body. But as it passes through the brain, we translate it as a hungry headache. So what do we do? We go on and eat. And when we eat, the body's energy is shifted from elimination back to digestion and the headache goes away. So that's why, just like when you get busy and your body starts to detoxify, that's what fasting does. But it does an ongoing, it steps up elimination. And that's why you're gonna have those poor feelings that scare rushes and headache and, you know, your eyes need get sore, all these detoxification symptoms is because your body's detoxifying. So what I like to say about fasting and overcoming the fear of fasting is you wanna govern the detoxification rate. Slow it down. You still wanna detoxify. So like you can go from water water fasting is hard. It's tough. I remember the first time I did it, oh my legs were killing me, my chest, my head and all that. But then juices is like a step up from there. And then fruit all fruit is like a step up from there. You can you can fast on just all fruit. And then you can fast on fruit and veggies, you know, all food. It's a way to get there. And so my thing is it's like people do the Daniel fast and so that's like a vegetarian or vegan fast. Nothing animal products or bicep.
2: Part of the village that you're sleeping with, so yes, you want to have you want to have that union and that harmony and that uh, c- complementary relationship first and foremost, and then everybody else. Like my grandchildren are just uh, a teachers for me because they do some things that make me go, ah, what? And then I realize, oh, they're teaching me something.
4: So absolutely,
3: you, you are what you were when you were raised.
4: That's right. That's, right.
3: <laughs> That's how you live. And so that's what's good about fasting. And the thing with Alzheimer's, I know you wanted to talk about that. Yes, because yes, yes, Alzheimer's, dementia, you know, all of that stuff, the brain takes 25% of your energy all the time, no matter what. It's a fatty origin, but it lives, on, it lives on fats. And one of the best things for that is, like, coconut oil versus the oil. Because put it this way, Alzheimer's is actually called type 3 diabetes. You can look it up. I'm not just saying this. It's called type 3 diabetes. And so the brain lives on glucose and oxygen, by and large. But sometimes, you know, the pancreas get worn out, the adrenal glands get worn out because the adrenal glands help in sugar metabolism. And so now you take in sugars or whatever or carbs and starches, and it spikes your blood sugar because now you can't transport it and get it out of the blood. And so one person figured out, you know, given the fat, that is a longer burning fuel. If you think a carb, one gram of carbs is four calories. One gram of protein is four calories. One gram of fat is nine calories. So think of calories. It's an energy. It's the unit of heat to raise one liter of water one degree. So you get more energy from that fat. And the thing is, you don't have to. You don't need insulin to move the sugar out of the blood into the cells. Well, that fat, your body, your brain will use. And actually, they, they actually did a test where they took an Alzheimer's patient and they, they, they have them do a clock. They're supposed to draw a clock and give them a certain time, like night 8 o'clock. And they just can't do it. And they put on the coconut oil and mm-hmm. put coconut oil into all the food that they were eating. And just a week later, they can draw a clock. Wow. And put the time in. Oh, yeah. yeah. So if you think of it as pre-diabetes, you kind of see
4: what's going on. You know, so physiologically, your brain
3: has to get what it needs because this control of everything, even the involuntary stuff, like I said, respiration, digestion, circulation, mm-hmm. elimination, and I, I've seen, as a matter of fact, my mother-in-law, my my uh, kid's mom, her grandmother, she, I started going from just forgetting her keys to full-blown all time. Mm-hmm. This was years ago. I mean, I just got to see it, and it was just like wow, where she was. Miles away down the street, the police picked her up and brought her on. And it's just, it's it's, it's it's, devastating. I mean, you don't realize how much the mind has to do with how you live. Well, think of like a baby. If you have Alzheimer's, you forget to eat. You don't know if you're hot or cold. You can have all kinds of clothes. It can be hot outside. you just, you're not associating everything. You, again, you have to think when your body signals hunger, you're like, okay, I'm hungry single third, urge the urinate defecate. We take those things for granted. But if if you're not there and your mental faculties aren't working, you don't need to think about people. You don't think about dream you can get dehydrated and just just imagine all your cells because your cells think, remember, deliberately make decisions, your cells get Alzheimer's. I know, no one ever says that, right? No. So just like you forget, or just like you can think of something yourself think of it. I'm going to be? Otherwise. Right? So that's the thing and
2: so So if yeah, you I look can't. at if you look at your mother in law's lifestyle, what are did you, have you did you notice some of the things that were contributing to her development of Alzheimer's?
3: Preachers wise. Oh my goodness. Is that enough? <laughs> Boy, that's enough for you, right? <laughs> is that enough? Oh my know. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, oh my, my
2: that that's really now what what denomination was this? Can I ask? Was it Baptist or
3: Oh Church of God in Christ?
2: Oh my goodness, oh my that, that is so that's so crazy because my mother's sister was married to a man whose family was the rob if you're in Chicago. The Church of God in Christ in Chicago, Robert's Temple. You know about Robert's Temple? Uh, that's where they had, um, uh, what's the guy, the, the young man's name, who they had his casket open? Um, in the Till. In the they had Emmett the Till's funeral at Robert's Temple, which was my my aunt's family and my cousins friends. Robert's there. The Robert's were everywhere. They were, that was my mother's sister. She married into the Robert. Church of God in Christ. And, you know, lately I've been seeing so many men on uh, YouTube talking about the sexual abuse in the Church of God in Christ. I was like, What like, what? This can't be. This can't be. And yeah. then another one would pop up. Then another one would pop up. So there was definitely some dysfunction going on in that church. So, oh, oh, yeah. oh, my. That's that's really interesting. Because
3: a, a lot of people are, they're, they're it's a free sense. There's this dichotomy of this is what the word says and, and this is what I have to do. I really don't want to do it. And it's like, so it, it, it's just it's duality. And the mind can't take that. It's a split. You, 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 your life is full of horror. You have to think, feel, believe. In other words, I'm talking about, I have a chapter in my book called The Congruent Body. I use the body as a metaphor. It's something kind of called the constipated body, the mental body, the emotional body, the spiritual body, the sexual body, the congruent body. In the congruent body, you want everything inside to be saying the same thing. You want to be in agreement. You know, if even in the Bible, it says, "How can two walk together except they agree?" So well, I kind of extrapolated from that and said that all relationships are based on agreement, right? And so, you know, the United States we have allies and enemies based on our agreement. You know, disagreement. You know, we we agree with people we never met, talking the red light so they can go to the green. They talk with the red so we can go through the green. They they agree to stay on that side of the yellow line, and we agree to stay on this side. And we ask permission by signaling like, that can I turn in front of you? And and so we're in agreement. So if you eat something that disagrees with you, it'll make you sick. You see know what I mean? So it's all based on agreement and in the church we have this disagreement with who we actually are I wanna be and who we're supposed to be and that's the hardest thing in the world to do. You have to be like people say, what would Jesus do? You know, I hear that I said, you don't know what Jesus
4: would do. What what would you do? <laughs> you you
3: you, can't, you cannot be anyone other than yourself. And that's the thing that pretense is like it's like acting. And I believe in acting now you wanna be somewhere and I started writing a book called act as this. You know, the power of acting, you know, we give people an Academy Awards and they act so well. You know, they, we buy into it. Like you said earlier, you were crying watching this movie because you're buying into what's happening. Now, you know it's like projected onto a screen, but you still buy into it. It moves you. It can make you stand up and cheer and make you cry and make you think, get out of the way. Don't go there. Don't open that door. All of that stuff. But we don't use the power of acting in our everyday lives. You know, we can buy into it. You know, you can, you can act happy, you can act strong, you can act fiber Because you, but you want to do it out of a place from seeing it for what it is. Even for you to be on the planet right now, you know how many things you had to go through. You know, infant morbidity. and but for you to be on the planet is a miracle. To come through time and space and all of the things that could have taken you out, and that's what I learned on the party part. I, mean, I, I delivered
2: a baby one day, pronounced
3: five people did the next. Wow! Oh, it,
2: it changed my life. Wow, yeah, that would—that's a—that's a, a career that is a, a class, a college, the a postgraduate class in oh, life. Then <laughs> living with all these people, and then you can get pissed out. Yeah. As soon as you go out of the states, and
3: you're on the your line, yeah, you're gonna You're gonna have to back no matter what.
2: Yeah, yeah. I guess that's
3: what uh, paramedics
2: do today. Um, they, they're they on the scene um, putting fires out, but they're also saving lives. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. yeah, you
4: got,
3: you got to do it all. Yeah,
4: that's
3: yeah. When we're called to the emergency, something's going to
4: arrive yeah. and it's going to just work until yeah. we show up. Yeah. So we're not just patrolling like the, like the PD, just looking yeah. around, looking for trouble, as they say. But,
3: uh, Every time you go out it's like an emergency and if and, and you don't know what it
2: is. So did you start practicing a healthier lifestyle after that career or did were you in, in the midst of that starting it?
3: Well, I was in the midst of it because I'm seeing all of these health challenges with people every day. And I'm looking at this and that and like I said, in particular the lady with the two shopping bags and she likes for the, the man. Now I saw myself being healthy and prior to seeing her, you know, I did several stuff like just eating more raw fruits and vegetables, and I remember drinking the, uh, you know, the cloudy apple juice, remember that,
4: the Southern apple juice,
3: yeah. you know, I was doing something good, and yeah. I would go up to Santa Barbara, and I would see these people that were so-called healthy, and, but they were like, you they were eating the tofu, and having uh-huh. their plant foods, but they didn't have any energy, they weren't vibrant, and they you know, I could run and climb up an eight-story building, I could sprint up a Building faster than anybody in the drill tower. I was the fastest guy in the drill tower.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: we go up and over, and I was like, "This, this is not it." And so even people now, you got to work out. You got to move that body. I was like, it's heart rate and 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 strength. You gotta have it. You gotta be able to pull yourself up. You gotta be able to. You don't know what's gonna come on the plane. You to be able to get from point A to B. And and, and, and that, I mean. People don't just I'm kidding. Seeing all of that, it just escalated it for me. That's what made me go to school and get a Ph.D. in natural medicine. And that's why I created my own product, and I try to make it simple. I don't have a thousand products. I'm not like a g and or vitamin world. You get a lot of 10 And then all the stuff is so synthetic anyway. Made in the laboratory. And so many drug companies are having their own vitamins and minerals. And
2: and they're buying out the other vitamin companies, drug companies. Absolutely. But but going back to the Bible, the question, what would, it would be WWYD, what would Yeshua do or what would Jesus do? Uh, I think the coming out of a religious mind uh, of literally taking things in the Bible versus spiritually, metaphor, allegory, symbolism would tell us that yeshua went to the mountains meditated and fasted yes okay but religion would have us doing fried chicken on uh, sundays and doing all this food uh every right. week or at all these uh, events so right. i think the difference uh in relating to our creator is recognizing that this man yeshua was a spirit of truth now Today, I don't need a savior today, but I, the spirit of truth is what I see in the man Jesus. Today, in the mind, we need the mind of Christ. You know, you hear that a lot in in uh, spiritual yogi, yogi communities. We need the mind of Christ, which is a spirit of truth about what, what this body, like you said, the autonomic nervous system knows exactly what to do, how to run, but then we are in conflict or we're not, we're walking in lies and deception, and that's why we have this disease and discomfort and constipation, because we're not listening to spirit, the spirit of truth that says y- Yeshua was in the mountain praying most of the time that he had. He couldn't be eating all the time. Right.
3: We're in disagreement. Can we use that same word? Yes. Yeah. With, with your own body. What is yes. a double minded man? Yeah. Yes. I, I call it disagreement.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. But you mean a
3: disagreement with your friends, with a spouse, you know, with a customer, with a job. You're all in disagreement. Your body says this job is killing you. But you're doing it because you gotta get paid. It's all disagreement. It's all relationships, no matter what, on every level, disagreement. Yes. That's so, why you can work congruent. You want a congruent life. You want your life to say yes, 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 yes.
2: So so let me make an announcement. We only have about 15 minutes left. If you have a question or a comment, press 1 in the studio. Please don't wait till the last ten, five 5 minutes of the show. Dr. Romeo Brooks is only going to be with us another 15 minutes, and uh, Well, why don't you give your uh, website at this point and how people can get a hold of you?
3: Uh, They can actually get it at uh, a link that you can send out to people, but you can get it at uh, roots, R-O-O-T-S, rootsnutrition.com. That's the website, rootsnutrition.com. And uh, I think I have an Instagram, Doc Romeo Speaks, or Doc Romeo Books,
4: yeah, Doc Romeo, D-O-C-R-O-M-E-O. Talk uh, Romeo Speaks to
3: Instagram, let out. Uh, and you can go in there and if you want to need a consultation or anything, you know I can do that one-on-one and tell you what's going on in your body. What I do is when people tell me their symptoms, I tell you what the body saying. <laughs> because the body speaks. There's a chapter in my book called The Body Speaks. And the body speaks 24-7. It's makes the request based upon needs. You just don't know what it's saying. Well, it's definitely not asking for a drug. I <laughs> can tell you that. So I can tell you what it's saying and, and, and you know, put you on a program and to get you there as fast as possible. And, you know, and I'm, I'm just a visual aid for what I believe. Like I said, I'm 68. I can still move and bounce around like a kid. I know aches and pain.
2: I just, movement is life. So so, hey. if, so, someone came to you, uh, for instance, and said, well, I've had my, my legs are aching all the time. And they're mm-hmm. in their 60s. What are some of the things you might suggest to them?
3: Well, let's get to the root cause first. Why would you select a pain? Whenever you have pain, there's too much acid, a lack of oxygen, and inflammation. Inflammation. That's why it's in pain. That's why it's probably like, well, what's the basics of the cells? Blood flow, lymph flow, and nerve flow. So you probably don't have enough blood flow. You know, you can just fall asleep on your arm, and you know you don't have enough blood flow. You tap it and shake it and try right. to get
4: going. And then the lymph
3: flow, the limb carries the waste away from the cells. Well, the lymphatic system doesn't have a heart. So the heart and circulates the blood. There's no pump with the lymphatic system. So you have to move in order to move that. So they need circulation. They need lymph movement, circulation. But then they need nerve flow. So think about a person that has a stroke. They may have blood flow and lymph flow, but no nerve flow. That arm is just dead and the wire. You need all three. And so we want to increase the blood flow, lymph flow, and to the nerve flow. And the best thing you got to move those legs. Most people, as they get older, it's like, scientifically speaking, aging is called a decline in mitochondrial function. And the mitochondria are the energy-producing cells in the body. It's so always an abundance of energy, is an abundance of health. Sickness and disease is an energy crisis, and the total absence of energy is called death because there is no energy. So everybody with the fund is vacillating, abundance of energy or no energy at all. And so you know if you don't eat, or get enough sleep, or have enough energy to do your job. You can't do your job. Where your cells, they need to be able to do their job. So if they don't eat, they don't drink, they don't poop, they don't get enough rest. We we make it difficult. That's why they look at your cells like you. If I drive your tyson in the back of my car and drive you around um, Chicago all day and night, you wouldn't be able to work your out either.
4: <laughs> so, so when
3: your legs are feeling aching and pain, it's like they've been overworked, but they're not getting the blood flow, lymph flow, nerve flow. So we got to get those things back into those pelvic tissues and organs. And so we have to get the good stuff in, get the bad stuff out, and move them. It sounds it sounds simple, but it really is simple. Now, the do body you, knows what do you
2: do you have a parasite cleansing uh, formula or advice in your book?
3: <laughs> yeah, you see. Oh, now you you know, open up a can of worms. I know. <laughs> that that worm <laughs>
2: always comes out. <laughs> people
3: have all these things. Parasite cleanse, brain cleanse, eye cleanse, heart cleanse, liver cleanse, spleen cleanse, blood cleanse, this cleanse, that cleanse. I'm telling you people make a merchandise for people. I know. I'm just jacking
4: things up right now. But it's oh. like the body is one body. Even though, think about it, we, we we know about the respiratory system,
3: digestive system, circulatory system, muscular, cells and nervous system. I tell people those systems don't even exist.
5: They're all
3: made up. They only exist in language. The body is one. Can the skeletal system say to the muscular system, I can walk without you? Nope. Can the digestive system say to the respiratory system, I can breathe without you? Can we grow up in this culture where we think the body is all segmented? No, the body is one. You know where I got it from? Out of the Bible. So there's many members, there's one body. So the hand cannot stand to the foot, I have no need
4: of it. Yeah. The body is one. In other words, let's go back to that fish tank. The red, the red, yellow, blue, green, pink, purple, orange fish, the red fish are thick. So if we change the water,
3: all the fish improve. we make making the distinction that it's, it's one tank, it's the same tank. So what we're saying is we're going to do a red fish cleanse or a blue fish cleanse or a pink fish cleanse. <laughs> you feel <laughs> what I mean? In the water. <laughs> oh but
2: but look how look how the medical system has separated our body, so that they can profit off of it. You got to go see a eye doctor. You got to go see a throat doctor. You got to yeah. go see a lung doctor, and they just totally wipe out the idea that you're all one. Let's look at the system. My my ex husband went to the doctor all the time, and did he come back with more drugs? This man yeah, never talked to him about his big belly that was growing, never said oh, okay. anything to him about weight loss. It's just, oh, my blood, your blood pressure is high. We need to put you on a new medicine. It's like, That's it. And
3: for every inch your belly just stands behind your chest cuts the year off your life. But see, even, the, even the holistic world has gotten it wrong, you know, it's all about being natural. They do all this stuff, and it's almost like they're doing herbs, like the pharmaceutical company does drugs. You know, they want to tell you $3,500 worth of herbs, you know. And I know, I'm telling on, not myself, because I don't do that, but I'm, I'm, I'm telling on other people because it's, it's all made up. It's kind of a conjuration. It's one body. It's one fish thing. It's one environment. And what I mean by the environment is the body. It's the biological terrain. Think of it like this. If you take a polar bear from Alaska to Las Vegas, how long could he live in that environment? You can get along the salmon and all the things he normally eats. He, he's still going to die. And you see, there's an environment in the body. When it's alkaline, you cannot have cancer in an alkaline oxygenated body. Cancer still cannot live in our body. So what we want to do is you have breast cancer, so we cut the breast off and throw it away. Well, how does the cancer get to the breast? Because it's in the body. But the way we language it is the way we buy into it, where your language goes, your thinking goes. So this is how they talk about cancer. Well, it was over here in the breast, and then it left, but then it came back over into the lungs. but then, you know, we got it, and then it moved over into the liver, and it's like, like, it sounds like a ghost. It sounds like a ghost, because we language it that way, we think
4: of it that way. Yeah. So I was telling the lady yesterday, I said, you have a five-bedroom house, and your master
3: bedroom is rat and roast infested. So we get a bulldozer to come in and just pull that out, pull that bedroom away from the rest of the house. And say, okay, we got with all the rats and the roaches and the bugs. I said, did you get rid of everything? She's like, no, because why? Because there could be rats and roaches in the walls and the crawl space underneath and the an attic. But then we'll say, oh, well, they were in the master bedroom but now they're in the bathroom. Now they're in the kitchen. No! You can't cut off a breast, or cut out a, you know, your, your prostate. say, Oh, we got rid of it and cut the uterus out and say, oh, yeah, we got it all. It's in the body. It just shows up in that particular. And even
2: even more than that, my sister had breast cancer, and I learned from her experience that her grief from losing her child and her unforgiveness and guilt was what made that breast cancer accelerate because she had acid emotions is what I started studying PH. And realizing the emotions are more powerful than anything else to change the pH in the body. So we got, yes, we've got a caller who's pressed one. Thank you, caller. And I'm going to open up their mic. Three, two, one, three six eight. Your mic is open. Welcome. You have a question or comment, Doctor Brooks?
6: Oh uh, yes, uh, Doctor Brooks. Uh, you were talking about the importance of crying, and I wanted to ask you something. Um, do you do you see it as oh okay is is it possible that a person could have cried out as a child and then constantly consequently cannot cry as an adult or has a problem crying and I say that I say that in reference to myself I I cried a lot when I was a child because I was abused I was abused mentally physically emotionally and all of that and uh and sexually too also yeah i had to say that too because that was a part of it but anyway uh i cried a lot as a child all right When and well uh, by the time i was uh in college i was wondering why was I why can't i cry i wanted to cry but i couldn't and i really i, I prayed about it and all kind of stuff i asked people i asked uh practitioners they couldn't really tell me anything. They was saying um, you know, they would give you stuff that supposedly help your eyes to cure and those kind of things. But I okay, it's like today. As I listened to you, I was like, I still wanna cry. But I can't. So tell me something, please. Yeah. I get that. Uh, and, and see see crying or emotion it's it, it's not a pain. It's not like you ran out of
4: tears. You know what I mean? you you through all that abuse, and now you have no more left. No, I'm listening to you. Believe
3: it or not, you're emotionally obstructed. Yeah, and, and there's this duality. You can feel like you want to cry and feel like you can't cry. But, yeah, but because that crying didn't stop the abuse. It didn't stop any of this stuff. And somehow, in the subconscious world, it's not going to make a difference to but it really will make a difference. And so it's the thing of detoxifying that. I always tell people, I always work through the body. You know, i talk about, again, I guess the body as a metaphor. So we have the physical body, the mental, the emotional, the spiritual body. Well, I always say when you detoxify the physical body, automatically you detoxify the mental, emotional, and spiritual body. And so that's the thing when I talk about cleansing and moving this stuff out of the body. but the body holds on to all the memories. These are things you can't remember. Even the pieces that, that don't even cross your mind anymore, the body remembers all. And so that's why some people, they can get massages. They start getting massages and those you start crying because you start working this stuff out of the body. We hold on to everything, whether it's mental, emotional, or spiritual, we hold on to it physically. It's, it's the way the body works. And so that stuff has to be the doctor's now, you don't have to feel bad about not being able to cry or this or that or whatever else, but I tell you, if you get your body detoxified and start moving your body, getting the blood flow, lymph flow, nerve flow, all that you need to cry about and emote, because that's what it is, it's energy and motion, and that needs to be emoted through tears, it'll it'll come out. It'll find its way out because it's, it's there. But it's, you got to pull away the door enough. You shut the door because somewhere in the back of your mind in childhood, all this crying I'm doing didn't make a difference. I mean, you know, parents say, stop that crying. I'll give you something to cry for. And you go, and it's like somewhere along the line, you know, I mean, think about it. You didn't stop yesterday. You stopped, do you remember when you stopped crying? Remember the last time you cried? That, that's when you shut the door. Thank that's
6: you. That's Thank that's you, Bethany cool. um, yes, it does. Yes, it does. It makes sense. Yeah.
3: Thank yeah, you. Yeah, if you want a console, just let me know. You can go to Risk and uh you'll see the
4: consultations on there. Thank you. All
2: right. Thank you, Dr. You're Brooks. Right. Um I I feel that even for myself. Um that uh when my when my father died, uh, I, I didn't cry a whole lot, but then um, I was on the table a, a table with a guy who was doing some energy work on me, and I was asking him about this spot on my right leg, and he did this energy work. He said, that's uh, rooted in uh, your anger at eight years old against your father. And I'm like, what, what? And then w- within a few seconds, I realized that's when my dad divorced my mother, and um, and, and that's I held on to that anger all these years yeah. because I just stuffed it. I loved my dad. This guy back here, I loved him so much. And I took care of him, and not and, and took care of him, but I advised him in his older years. And then when he said that to me, it had, you were eight years old, and you were, I, I wanted, the tears started coming to my eyes. Yeah. Just from him stating, making that me aware of that, and doing all this work on my body with his hands, he was working on my feet. This was at a health show in Orlando. It was free, and I was like, "Wow!" And so I, I, I wanted to cry, but just the fact that water came to my eyes, I yeah. knew he had hit on something.
3: That's what I said to the body knows. It always knows. It was always. There. I remember my mom died. I was great at the funeral. I was wise. She was She was She was peaceful. Three months later, I'm lying in the bed, and she crosses my mind. It comes out like a failure. I mean,
4: like a
3: spring grade. It's just a little (laughs) warm. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. it just literally just flooded out
2: and poured out. And, man, I felt so good afterwards. Yeah. You do feel good. And uh, that's the same way with, with, I think, our parents in general. Some people have a hard time crying. And then others don't. So we were at the end of the show. Wow, this time went so fast. So grateful to you, Dr. Romeo. Uh, what are you going to do today in Chicago? It's war- is
3: it warm there? Yes, it's a beautiful day.
2: Okay. Well, that's my hometown. I don't like to go back there too often. <laughs> but uh, enjoy. It has some beautiful spots.
3: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go go back out to the beach and go run in the sand and mm-hmm. do, my, do my stuff. My slowly with it today. Slow squat
4: day. I oh, put some
3: heavy yeah. squat on Tuesday and pull on i full on Saturday. So i break it up so I can really work the muscles.
2: So, really so I think what you're, the message you're bringing to senior citizens is slow it down. Slow your workout down. or You have to
3: slow down in order to speed up your metabolism, your fat loss, your strength. I know it sounds like an moron, right? You have to slow down in order to speed up. Because when you slow it down, you increase muscular force and bone force like nothing else. a how do babies get strong? They'll
4: they'll 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 lower themselves. You know what I
2: mean? they slowly. You know, even when they learn to walk. They will start squatting down slowly and then pick up and start walking again. That's it. Everything is slow. Yeah, I love that. That, that that's what I'm learning at my age is that slow rest, slow. Rest. I used to exhaust myself. I had a house cleaning business, and we I exhausted my adrenal glands terribly. I couldn't move at one point. But I realized how different. Go, 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 go. No rest. But now yes. at our age, we go, as, as one uh, uh, trainer says, you work out until you can't, and then you rest till you can. <laughs> do Not not pushing ourselves. So great, yeah. great yeah. advice. People have, have and exhaust. and
3: yeah. we've been exhausted And we could have on the department. Think about it. It's fight or flight. It's time to get a call. Wake you up at midnight. 1, One thirty in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, you gotta get out of the station in 60 seconds, and all of a sudden you see this big gloom up, this fire. What do you think that does to you for 32 years? Well, be of
4: that. Yeah. I, I'm sure you have
2: a lot of sympathy for what happened in Maui. Have you, oh, ever, have you ever been to Hawaii? Oh,
3: yeah, three times. I was in Lahaina.
2: I
4: was in Lahaina
3: La two of the times that I went. Beautiful. I mean, I couldn't believe it. I used to run along the beach there. I caught myself getting up early. I was there at 6 in the morning. People were out there playing paddle balls. And this, I thought I was early, But, no, it's just like, I'm telling you, it didn't look like a fire to me. It was like, a, I'm, I'm against conspiracy, call me whatever you want. That was some government crap. I'm serious. You yeah. can't get all that burn and all that stuff like that that quick out of nowhere. The, the warning system didn't work. This, this house is pristine, all these other houses burned up you have all this moon cake and half of the car is burned but the other half of the car is pristine.
2: Well even more what they're showing now is the melt metal from the car turned to liquid.
3: Oh yeah. There's no fires, but then I think you know how hot that is? I mean yeah. I, I usually go out to burning buildings with my turn up coat and turn out food some health and tasty. No. Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah, you can't tell me.
2: So I think we I think we join our hearts and minds to continually send prayers and love to the island of Maui and Hawaii and Lahaina people that they will stand strong and recover and build back. Uh no, I won't say build back better. That's a government phrase. I don't like that. But they're going to stand strong and create a new uh Maui and a new Lahaina. Yeah, so,
4: absolutely. Yeah thank Amen. you
2: all right bless you my brother we're gonna have to do this again in the future uh so i'll be in touch
4: and everybody Absolutely.
2: go to his website and let's get going with whatever therapy you need uh dr brooks can help you so ma, love you
3: and do you do, thank you so much you guys take
2: care we're gonna say uh thank you to our global family now
0: Come to the end of our show today, but you can hear every show in the archives at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the-female-solution. You can also hear today's show on the Female Solution Facebook page. Go to www.facebook.com slash thefemalesolution. Leave your comments about today's show. And to our global family listening from all around the world, we say thank you. To our family in China, Sheshi, India, Zanyaba, Japan, Alingatol, Korea, Kamsamida, Russia, Spasiba, Germany, Danke, Poland, Jangkujun,
7: France, Merci. Spain
0: Gracias Italy Grazie Egypt Shukran Ghana Medasi. Nigeria Eshé South Africa Ngiyabonga Senegal Jaret. Kenya Asante Israel Toda Pakistan Shukriya Afghanistan Thank Saudi Arabia. Shukran. Shukran. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And
2: all my joy. Thank you. Out there. And may now peace today. be upon you
0: and the mercy of God now, and God's and blessings. Oh my this is love.
2: our Restoration and transformation and healing to the island of Maui. Everybody have a great day and come back tomorrow for more female solutions. Shalom.